It's time for the Voice of Reason podcast. Sean Phillips, Andy Van Beber, and Travis Kirkendall. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are with you today, whatever day it is that you decide to listen to this show, whether it's in one day, five days, or five years. This is <laughs> the Voice of Reason podcast. As always, my name is Sean Phillips, and today we are joined by my two co-hosts, Mr. Andy Van Beber, Travis Kirkendall, and our good friend of the show, reoccurring guest, Mr. Sean Yates. Gentlemen, how are the three of you doing today? Hey, great. You know, last time we had Sean on, I don't, I, I should have done a split window or something with the baby face, you know, with nothing on the, you know, it's been, that's been, that's going on two years ago. So, I mean, you know, still, and by the way, might I add, our highest rated show ever, most watched episode, was with the last episode with Sean Yates on. So we can only hope for more good things. If I think if I just tag tomorrow, if I just tag the episode with Sean Yates, five million viewers, right there. So <laughs> it's good to have yeah. you on, Sean. It's always no. nice when he shares it to his OnlyFans. It gets our viewers up you know, pretty good, so we appreciate it. We appreciate uh, it. Yes, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I appreciate the invite. Thank you. I did not know that. I did not know that, but, yeah, we'll put it on the OnlyFans. Free subscription this month. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but, yeah, thank you for inviting me back. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, where you're at, what's going on now, Sean, what you're, what you're up to, where you're at in your schooling and everything. Yeah, so just last Thursday, I'm, I came back to LSU, moved back down here. I'm in my apartment right now, um, trying to stay warm. But this is my last semester of undergrad. I'm going to finish my anthropology and pre-med degree, and then I'll be applying to either med schools or physician assistant schools uh, this coming spring, around May, June-ish. And so, yeah, that'll be the next step in like my career path, I guess, and just – right now also finished football last fall so yeah that's another chapter that's closed and you guys that was a fun time and we might we, we're going to talk a little football and a little bit of medicine stuff tonight but uh your football you guys had a pretty good last season wash you you guys only had what two losses three losses yeah we ended up seven and three um lost a couple of heartbreakers one game we played pretty bad and lost to a team that we were rated higher then, but that's kind of how it goes. And then we lost by 1.2. I believe at the time they were top 10 in the nation for D3. I'm not sure what they ended up being after that game, but to Wheaton. And then we lost to, well, the runner-up, national runner-ups this year, North Central. So that was some tough losses. Yeah, I did not – I was not able to make – I watched a majority of games online, though. So, But, uh, yeah, so, well, that's good. Uh Gentlemen, how is your, how's your, how are you surviving? What's the, should we get a temperature survey? What is the current temperature in our locations right now? So currently for me, I'm at negative five. Um, it's going to get down to negative 15 tonight with 20 mile per hour gusts. Uh, we got about a foot of snow here. So it looks like uh, Star Wars episode five Hoth outside. I mean, it's the barren wasteland of snow. Yeah. 
Um, it's it's pretty cold. Even my dog doesn't want to be outside. And that's pretty. That's pretty, usually he loves loves uh, the snow. And within two minutes, he's like, "Nah, that's dude, pretty, that's, saying it." That's pretty hardcore, Sean. What is it, Sean Phillips? What's it over at your place? So I just checked. Right now, it is one degree. Feels like negative five. Um, we are continuing to get snow. Every school in this area has been canceled tomorrow. So um, we'll see if it's going to be a work from home kind of day uh, tomorrow. We're gonna. We're gonna find out. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Sean, what about you, man? Yeah, I'm sitting right around there too. My computer is lying and saying eight degrees because I looked at my phone and um, it says it feels like negative five. So around yeah. the same area. Yeah, yeah. This is, and I just got the call for our school tomorrow that it's canceled, and I was, oh, come on. I'm, I'm ready to be back in, and I'm. It's it is what it is, but. Uh, I guess first thing I want to hit on tonight, uh, what uh, Travis is going to be strangely silent, silent, I know, on this one, but what were your guys' thoughts from football over the Sorry, weekend? Sorry, I'm not the football guy. Yeah. What What were your guys' thoughts from football over the weekend? Either Sean would be. That game was crazy. Just the fan bases. Well, that and the Buffalo fan base for even making a game possible tonight. Yeah. Um, that was just crazy to see. Um, I saw them. They were paying them twenty. What were they paying them twenty dollars an hour out there at at in yeah. up there in Buffalo to shovel out? And they said they had up to three foot in the stadium, three foot drifts in parts of the stadium. And what I shit. what I was yeah what I was watching today from yesterday and so they worked all the way through. They let people so they started. Well, they had a they had a stay at home order. The governor had a stay at home order through Saturday through Saturday evening when the snow stopped, and then they got the parking lots out and then they put it out on social media that they would pay anybody eighteen and over twenty dollars an hour. And they just, I mean, people came out in droves and they had these. It looked like you know drainage pipes cut in half that went the length of the of the bleachers, and these guys were like, and it was like every. Like every row, you know, where they have the aisles, people were carrying carrying snow over to these uh, on the shovels onto these thing onto these uh, these drainage pipes, and it was just you know going down like an assembly line down the field, and they had like I guess trucks or whatever they were hauling it off in, but they got it. They worked through the night Saturday night, through the night last night, and then then the I mean they could, they probably could have had that out in the parking lot as bad as pittsburgh played but anyway and then uh i was really surprised with the uh, texans game that was that was of course that was that was uh that was i enjoy i enjoy cj stroud i think he's a really good player of course i've said that on the show before i think that he's uh he's going to be something special but uh how about them cowboys <laughs> Oh, you upset that everybody predicted. Well, what do you think about that, Sean? Oh, I loved it. Um, it was uh, everything that I needed. Well, yeah, um, you're 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 the resident. I I texted. I was texting Sean last night, and I said, "This may be the only time that I'm cheering." I mean, I I dislike the Packers, but with every inch of my being, I despise the Cowboys. With everything of who, with everything with who I am, I just, 
I, I, you know, we, I loved seeing it there. The, it was, I forgot what score it was. It was either the second or the third score. And they did the shot up to the, up to the, up to the, up to the sweet boxes. And Jerry Jones is just doing one of these where he's looking around. He's like trying to find somebody, you know, like, like a member of the coaching staff is going to be up there in the box or something, giving him an answer as to why his team just, you know, blows. So, uh, but, uh, yeah. And then, uh, I, I have to say, look, look, red nation, let's go chiefs. Even though I, I, I thought, I thought that, I mean, I know that she, that Sean was sitting there probably could have had more pleasure with a corn gob being thrusted up his hindquarters. But I mean, I, I, I'm nothing from you, nothing from you, Mr. Phillips, nothing at all. No, you're you're gonna get as much of me as you got out of the Dolphins' offense. Oh. Um, I, uh, you know, I I don't hate many things. The uh, the Chiefs are one of them. Um, so unfortunately, you know, that was the one good thing about living in California for almost two years is I didn't have to listen to any of the noise of uh, a, the Chiefs. That's a bitter man right there, boys. That's a bitter well. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you know what? Such is life. Um, they run into their kryptonite tomorrow or next week. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. The, uh, hopefully the, Josh Allen and I'm, the boys. I am. I get am, it done. I am a realist. I'm not. I am a realist. I know what's going to happen next week, and so. But uh, we'll be back to reality next week. But uh, one other thing I want to ask, um, and I, I put this on the group chat, and I didn't. This was the first year, and it's a it's a frightening trend. Whether you're, it doesn't matter what team you're a fan of, but so this was the first that a a playoff game was done strictly on a streaming service that had to be paid for. Uh, the Chiefs and Dolphins game was on Peacock, and it was there was a lot of ne- negative kickback. Now in the Kansas City and the Miami markets, there were. You could pick it up on the local over-the-air antennas. Correct. But what? Just 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 from the onset, what's your what's your guys's? And I mean, pay-per-view. I mean, I guess you could call this. I mean, pay-per-view football. I mean, you guys have done pay-per-view events for for. I mean, we talk we talk about boxing and wrestling stuff all the time, and MMA stuff. But now. I mean, is this something that you think is going to be sustainable or should be done in football? Um, it's uh, it's tough. I think it depends on the league. Um, the NFL is rather large, and uh, they'll take the highest bidder, you know, any any day of the week over if they think that, you know, I don't want to know what NBC shelled out for it. Um but I guarantee you that if, if they made it a streaming exclusive, they probably earned similar revenue that they would have earned during the Super Bowl. Um, just because that's how it, how it works. So I don't know. I, I don't mind it. But at the end of the day, I know a lot of other people did oh, have dude. a problem with it, but it didn't mean much for me. It didn't. Well, what I what I had read this morning in this morning's news brief was that that was the and this is I'm having a hard time agreeing with this but they said that was the highest viewed stream sporting event is that even seem does that seem right 
Does that, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about some huge. Yeah, it was something like 24 million viewers or something like that in that ballpark. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I don't know. We've had conversation before where we've talked about how, uh, you know, when we, I mean, what's the typical, what is it like 50 bucks, 60 bucks for an MMA fight? To, to watch one of those? No, you're talking north, like, uh, like, I don't know, 75. What What's the UFC now, Sean? Like 75 or 90? Like, it depends on the, depends yeah, it on depends the main on, event, I guess. It depends on the main event, but um, it I used paid, to I know, be... I think when uh, the last one I paid for was, uh, oh, my God, over a year ago, and it was like 75 I paid. Yeah, with the streaming service, then I started streaming it. Yeah, with the streaming <laughs> really service, really? the streaming service I use uses. A, I get a lot of the stuff for, like, I get. Well, I know for all like the WWE stuff, I get all that stuff that's included with what I with what I stream, and then there's a lot of other MMA fights and stuff I get on on different channels. So, I I don't have to, you know, but I I had access. The only way I was able to watch the game of the night was because I, I had access to the local uh, Kansas city affiliate. So, and that's how I was able to watch the game. So, but, uh, anyway, I, I, I think that it's what, what we're going to see is, and there were a lot of, you know, disgruntled people because there was a, there was a, uh, there was a, there was a, uh, opinion piece in, Oh, I forgot what newspaper it was. It was it was out it was out of South Carolina, Charleston Post. It was Charleston News, the Charleston, South Carolina newspaper, and they made this long editorial about how I mean, it's basically, you know, you've already you've already got it's all it's already impossible if you want to go watch a football game, you know, you have if it's really a, a if you have a prime market like Kansas City, I I went to a Kansas City Chiefs game three years ago and I paid for me, my son and my brother and myself 240 bucks. And that was 80, that was two, that was a one row below the top. And that was, and that was three years ago. Now those same seats are going for 300 bucks. And if you want to get down into the lower tier, I mean, you might as well $1,500, $2,000. So, I mean, you want to know what's a real shame? Like one of the most, one of the biggest disappointments for me of this year was when I, when the XFL launched, um, you know, a season that it was canceled. I bought my season tickets at the 50 yard line. Oh, um, second section back. I paid a hundred dollars per ticket for five games. So 20 bucks a game. I have looked at season tickets for this upcoming season and they're in the four hundred dollar. Are you smart? Because and there's because there's new US. and there's no there's no need for that though. I mean, even even the like nosebleeds like, and this is for you know minor league football essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and I get it. You know, everything is getting more expensive, but it's a it, it sucks when things get you know priced out when you get priced out of things. But you know, so for example. You know, there's there's 300 baseball games a year in St. Louis, you know, for the Cardinals, just because that's how Major League Baseball is. Um, pretty easy to get access to all Cardinals baseball games. Now, the NHL and ESPN had a deal where they've made all NHL games available on ESPN. 
I can watch any single NHL game on ESPN Plus that I want, except for the Blues. Why? Because that's the local channel. However, it's not actually local because the Blues have a deal with Bally's and Fox Sports Midwest, so you still have to have DirecTV to watch Blues games. So unless you have DirecTV, you can't watch NHL hockey. So, But Apple, Apple, in my opinion, has the best deal yes, for – Sports. Their season ticket for MLS is the best deal that you can get for all. You, I paid $50, and I was able to watch every single game. No local blackouts. Every single game. The best deal. And Apple paid you know a billion dollars for that. Call me crazy. I would gladly pay. You know, for the NFL for the NFL this year, I got the student discount for a Sunday ticket. So I paid $90 for every football game except for local channels, which, again, is annoying because sometimes you're not around a TV. Um, but if Apple paid the, NA, the NFL $50 billion and charged me 100 bucks to watch for the season as long as I got every game, yeah, I'll do it every year. Well, I know not everyone's like that, but I would do it every single year. Did you see the commercials then? Did you see the commercials for like the last, what was it, the last three, the last three weeks of the season? It was like, oh, get this la- the the last three weeks of the NFL on you know what on YouTube for it was like seventy five bucks, sixty five bucks. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> who's, who's yeah? And you still don't get the local games, and like, you, you still don't don't, hey, right, you still get market. local blackouts. I mean, yeah, one of the better deals. Now it sucks because it only works on your phone or your tablet, but um, if you use the NFL Fantasy app, you can pay for NFL Plus, which I got for twenty bucks for the season which allows you to watch any local game on your smart device. So basically that was how I counterbalanced it. If it wasn't on YouTube TV, I'd be able to watch the game on my phone through NFL plus, and which I, for me in total, I paid a hundred bucks for all the games this year. And as a pretty big NFL fan, it was worth it for me. Um, but I would much rather it just be, there's one spot, there's no blackout games. I don't care if it's prime. I don't care if it's Apple. I just, if they were all in one spot, it'd be a big convenience thing for me. And I want to ask you something, Sean Yates, on this. from As from a collegiate athlete, do you see the same thing? I mean, now with, I know you're, you're D3, but with D1 athletes now being able to do all the, with all the, their, all the money that they're going to be able to come into now, are we going to see the same, do you think we'll see the same thing happen on the college level as far as, prices and availability and that kind of thing. I mean, are we, is that something you think we're going to be trending more towards? Oh yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, because you're going to start getting these college institutions involved with deals and stuff. And NIL deals are becoming more and more part of the recruiting process. Um, <laughs> just cause the name of the university is paramount for college athletes, especially when you get to D one level, I feel like, I don't know. There's going to be a time where SEC football is going to be <laughs> going to cost crazy amounts of money just because they're going to have to start paying for these players to come play SEC football. It's going to literally come down to the players wanting to go to the school that they believe they can get a brand built around them at that school. So what um, they they can so yeah. explain a little bit of this. And I'm I'm still a little bit in the dark on how a lot of this works. So college players, and this is something that they have that the NCAA is, I mean, this has been a, a Pandora's box that they've been, that they've been dealing with for years now about paying the players. 
So is there any cap on how much D1 players can make, or is there limits of any kind, or how does that even what, – what are the rules for that? As far as I know, and I, it could vary between D3 all the way up to D1, but from our meetings that we had as D3 athletes, because NIL does apply to us since we're still NCAA affiliated, basically NIL, name, image, likeness, we're able to use all of that as kind of our own – and we can market ourselves as almost like a brand, whether that can be you doing deals with your local pizza shop, per se, or putting on camps that are advertised using yourself um, to bring students and you get paid from that. Whatever it may be, you kind of just have to report to the institution what you're doing, because obviously there's some per- like things that you they don't want you being advertised to promote or whatever. But uh, as far as I know, there's really no cap. Um because I know there are some very prominent social media athletes that are making in the millions. Um, yeah. Wow. So there's some, there's some restrictions in terms of what you can do, but for the most part, it's pretty open. And so is there any, I mean, how does that, does the, well, the, the so the university, that the school then will not get any part of that then, correct? The NIL money? Well, yeah, because the, the, the way that I understand it is the school itself cannot pay a student to come to that school. However, a booster, let's say, for example, like this is why, you know, people are like afraid of places like Miami getting really good soon, USC, some of these bigger schools um, in these bigger locations where like, like Caleb Williams, for example, was making millions in sponsorship deals. You know, so let's say a player is on the edge between Michigan and Alabama next year. Well, boosters in that city can come together and say, hey, we have this company, this company, this company, this company that, you know, would love to sponsor you. Here's six million dollars a year to come play for this school. And uh, so you can take what it is, you know, like, what like, like Caleb Williams. Part of his deal was he was given like a four hundred thousand uh, dollar Mercedes um, like C-class like. He, he got like some badass whip from some like just local LA car dealership, gave him some half a million dollar car as like a welcome to USC. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you clarified that, Sean, because yeah, that's kind of what I was talking about as these institutions, not just the college itself, that's what I didn't really mean, but the whole area, it's going to be, it's going to be a money grab just trying to get the best players to come to these universities that these companies are supporting. So don't, don't you think that yeah. takes away from the integrity of the game though, of what college athletics are supposed to be about? It is very difficult because as the fan of the sport, I would say yes. But as the student athlete myself, I would say there's definitely a case to be made that this should have been happening a long time ago considering how much money these student athletes are making yeah. for these schools. My, my argument will always be Johnny Manziel is Johnny Manziel made Texas A&M over a billion dollars and he didn't see a penny of it. Um, did, did it, you know, translate to a first round draft pick where, you know, he went to the Browns and shit the bed maybe, but his Jersey was the number one selling Jersey in the nation. I mean, generated over a billion dollars in revenue for Texas A&M and he wasn't able to make any money. That, that part to me, is why things like this have to happen mm-hmm. is you have players and students that change the face of a university and yeah, maybe they get, you know, free protein when they go to the gym and they don't really have to do shit in class. But at the end of the day, you have a lot of students that 
barely scraped by. Their parents are getting evicted from their homes, but it's like, you know, these are college kids that are generating millions and millions for these institutions and they weren't seeing a dime. So it's, it's tough because now we have things like the transfer portal and yeah, as a fan, it makes it a little bit more whatever, but I, from the student athlete standpoint, I totally get it. And at the end of the day, give Reggie Bush's Heisman back. It's bullshit. Yeah. 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 I think that there's that that's a that's a real good point because of all that that came up about what happened with Reggie Bush while he was at USC. Yeah, definitely give that man is like Pete Rose for football almost. But um, yeah, I I I hated seeing what the transfer portal did to this year's bowl season because I thought it was, you know, I mean Mizzou was going to have a Mizzou Ohio game which is just an example, and I'm not a huge Mizzou fan. I like watching Mizzou football, but. I think that would have been a much different game had a lot of those guys not just transferred out right before, you know. But trying to understand how the whole transfer, I think it was you, Sean, that I was, Sean Yates, who I, I don't know, it was you or who it was that, or maybe somebody else. I think it was my boss who I was talking to about this was how this whole thing works. They have so many different windows that they can go in and go through and transfer. And I think that that, I don't know, I to me, college, I like college sports because there wasn't that, you know, it was just, you knew you were getting, you knew what you were getting with just the plain athlete, with the street athlete. But at the same time, I can see this, the other side of what, what you said with the student athlete, Sean, was just how these school, these universities making billions of dollars and then the athletes seeing none of it. I, I think that's crap too. So, this is something that's going to continue to develop and I don't, I hope it doesn't turn into a, a three headed monster that is going to be something that will, you know, it hasn't translate. I don't think it's translated over into ticket prices yet. Of course, I haven't been to a Mizzou game in, in years, so I don't know how it translates over to ticket prices or anything like that, but I, I hope, I hope it doesn't. So, but uh, anyway, so moving on with our with what we're getting into next, what well, another reason why we have Sean on, um, if you haven't been following the news or anything like that, uh, the la- over the last week, our friends from the NIE uh, were Dr. Fauci and Dr. Uh, uh, Anthony Fauci. I was trying to think of this guy Collins, Dr. He, he was the head of the, or the NIH, I'm sorry, the NIH, the National Institute of Health. Francis Collins both went before Congress over the last week and discussed, it's kind of the, okay, we've had time to collect our, to gain our collective breath, and now we're starting to look back on how COVID was handled, what could have been done differently, what what was what was done wrong? How did this get out of hand in the first place? And so this is basically an oversight committee in Congress. I don't know which exact exact committee it was, but uh, Dr. Francis Collins appeared before uh, uh, before this committee on Monday. Uh, no, I'm sorry, on Friday, and he did a seven hour interview with this committee. The House Sele- here it is the House Select the House Select Committee on the con- Coronavirus Pandemic. And the whole, when this came out, how did this, you know, how did the, how did the coronavirus, how did it start? 
and originally when people said, well, there was a leak or there was, you know, there was, there was cross-contamination at the Wuhan province, uh, at the Wuhan province lab, that that was immediately, that was one of those things that got you banned off Facebook. If you started pushing that narrative too hard, but, uh, According to this report, it said Dr. Collins agreed with Dr. Fauci's concession that the COVID-19 lab leak hypothesis is not a conspiracy. Okay. And so these congressmen, you know, now it's, it's kind of this, this, uh, this pointing of fingers thing of how this all came down and Remember, we talked. This has been a long time ago since we've talked about this, but this Wuhan, this Wuhan lab, was part of what they call gain of function research. Um, Sean, do you know much about how what this gain of function research is, or how this works, or what can you explain to us about this? Um, as far as I know, gain of function research is kind of like taking microorganisms, or in this case, a virus. So not really an organism, but something really small micro and kind of just engineering it. So in another word, man-made to make it have desirable functions or different traits about it. Um, I guess if you really wanted to tamper with the virus in this sense, if you were to gain a function with the virus, you could either make it weaker or you can make it stronger by affecting how it would um, penetrate a cell. So just kind of changing how it functions. And they're and, and so they're wanting to see how the cell will react to it, or how it, or how I mean, or I mean, the, the ultimate goal is to create a, a vaccine for said like a said virus, right? Yes, but the um, as far as I know, with the lab leak hypotheses or claims, um, the change in function or research like that in this sense would be kind of making the virus more capable to like enter a host or it could be the reverse either way. But um, that's like, I don't really know what they were doing. I mean, I guess we don't really know what they're doing in that lab, but it could really be for different reasons because sometimes viruses are used in a positive sense as well. So, and it could have been for any reason. And to kind of get to where another reason why we had you on and we've been talking about this when we get closer to the, it's hard to believe that we're going to be, coming up on the five-year anniversary of this before long. Um, Sean has done, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the research that you, it's not necessarily about the virus per se, but tell us a little bit about like what you did before we came on the air tonight. Tell us a little bit about what your, what your past research has been about and kind of what you've been doing. Yeah. So um, I was in anthropology, medicine, and society class, more specifically the history of medicine. And kind of the last prompt for the class for the final paper was very open-ended. It was kind of just a self-directed um, research opportunity. So I wanted to bring a rural, rural perspective from the pandemic that not a lot of people have experienced or heard about here at WashU because the rural community here is very limited. So I wanted to bring a unique perspective into my class. Um, so I kind of took a paper idea where I would just interview a couple people from Pike County or that are familiar with the area, such as yourself and me. And I also researched some um, newspaper articles, some statistics from the time around 2020 
when the COVID pandemic really started kicking off and just kind of see what were the motivations behind the reactions to COVID mandates, masking, restrictions, closures, all that stuff. I wanted to see kind of what were the motivations behind the, the very um, resistant reactions towards those mandates in Pike County. Because I know here in the urban area, a lot of people would be like, why would you ever not want to wear a mask or why would you not get vaccinated? But there are very valid reasons, I feel like, for rural people to feel opposite. And I wanted to figure out why those, like, why they had those feelings. So what I figured out through, or at least what I inferred through my interviews and my research was Pike County was a case where individual agendas and biases and lifestyles kind of coalesced into these views of like resistance and autonomy where people really wanted to protect a rural or local authority that they believed was being threatened by this federal government hand that was kind of coming out of nowhere, breaching on their lifestyles that they hadn't really experienced before the COVID pandemic. So it was really interesting seeing how it wasn't really just a state of ignorance and lack of care about their health. It was more so wanting to protect that local authority and just not really having experienced federal government power to that extent before. Yeah. Do you think that this is based upon what you've seen? I mean, do you moving forward, how, how, do, how would you think based upon what you studied in rural areas? I mean, do you think the government, if, if we haven't, God forbid we have something like this, I mean, come again, but I mean, do you think the government would try or how well would, do you think it would be received if they, they start this sheltering in place, wearing your mask, six feet, how well did, how, what you saw, how well did that, how effective was that overall? You're saying if it would happen again? Yeah, I mean, would, would, they, it, be a would, they, would they do that again? Do you think that would be something that would be pushed or was it, what do you think? Um, It really depends on what the outbreak is and the nature of it, because I feel like if we have another very contagious pathogen come out again, I feel like the very, at least until further data comes out, the very same restrictions are going to roll around. Um, we're going to have accelerated vaccines. But in a rural area, I feel like the response is going to be very similar just because, I mean, reality is contagious vac uh, pathogens aren't going to be experienced as crazily in rural areas as they will in urban areas. And I feel like until they're experienced or manifested in reality for these people in rural areas, it's just going to be very hard to motivate them to want to change their lifestyles because a lot of them won't see the need to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sean Phillips, you were, when, when did you, you were going out, when did you, you moved to LA towards the tail end, right? Was that when you were out there, when you moved to LA? Was that Correct. The, what kind of, what Correct. did you, what did, what did you experience when you were out there towards the tail end of it? What, what kind so of So towards the tail end, the big thing that I kind of experienced was, um, there were still a few places that were very strict on, you had to have a vaccine card to be there to go do things. It wasn't all the places. It was just some select ones. What was funny was actually the big thing that was going on by the time I moved there was a lot of local establishments like restaurants had been given certain permits for outdoor seating and they, they loved it. It was great for their business. Um, and the, and the government was trying to take those away, say, no, you have to go back to indoors. 
and they were getting pushback from all the restaurants that were like, absolutely not like outdoor seating saved our business. We're doing better than we ever have um, because it was able to expand capacity because people were able to eat inside again and they were able to eat outside. So that was actually what was funny is they realized then, you know, all these businesses, all these people in LA were super happy that, you know, Oh, our people, our, our government's taking care of us. We're getting stimulus checks. We're getting all this stuff. And then when the government came back in to take away some of those things, that's when people were getting upset again. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of funny. Travis, what where, where were you at, Travis, in the during <clears throat> during? during you... Oh yeah. So when it all started, I was still up in Alaska uh, in the army. So uh, it was pretty strict for us because we're you know federal program for the government. Um, so you know I was always wearing a mask and. They're always yelling, you know, six feet, whatnot. Um, even in like the city of Anchorage, I mean, it was they were taking it pretty serious. Um, and then I came down to uh, Chicago. Uh, I got here in the end of September, right for my birthday. Um, and it was honestly, it was just as strict as I saw it up in Anchorage. Uh, Anchorage took it pretty serious. Um, but yeah, we started to see. Um, Obviously, I ended up getting the vaccine. I had to get the vaccine card to do certain things. I had to show the card to go to certain restaurants. Um, definitely took it super serious up here. But it was funny because, like, you know, I, I had to wear a mask to go into stores here. Um, we go back home to back home, Pike County. It's like I'm not wearing a fucking mask around here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in I'm in Freedom World. You know, like it's just <laughs> not. I can. It's it's cool. You know, they don't care about here. Um, so it was it was funny to see that difference, and it's interesting that. It's cool to see Sean wrote a paper on it because I always kind of wondered, like, what's the – I think I kind of knew what the sentiment was, and it kind of echoes what he he found. But um, it's cool to see someone do a study like that. Well, and my whole thing, and when I, I, I talked with Sean about this at length, one of the things that I, that I think that we saw around here, and we still continue to see, that it's not a one-size-fits-all. When, when you approach something like this, it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all. What works in, what's going to work in L.A. or what's going to work in Anchorage or what's going to work in St. Louis is not going to work in Pike County. And people, I think we get a lot of, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of growth in our in our school district this year. And a lot of it is people coming up out of the city people who who can afford to come up out of the city and move to the country because they want when you talk to some people about you know what what are you trying to get away from and i mean a lot of it is just that the grip that they that people felt especially during especially during covid oh yeah look at the amount of people that left the big cities i mean the suburbs here in chicago even since i've been here is just insane how many people have moved out of the city? Just insane in our area alone. I know it's been like that in other cities too. And and uh, Sean Yates, you were so you were. This was uh, you graduated. I remember. I still remember your your graduation ceremony. And we we had to issue t- we had to issue tickets. Right, it was tickets to the graduation. What we have there? It was like a hundred. We usually have close to like five hundred. You know, people who are usually more than that who come to graduation. And I think they limited it to like one hundred twenty-five people, and all the rows were spaced out, and all this garbage. And you know, yep. what do you? So I mean, so basically, overall, and you kind of touched on this a little bit already. 
but what is it was this was this trend common in other areas do you think or what as far as local or local secluded areas was this a common trend or did you see anything that pointed to that i in my opinion i believe i think it would be very easily to observe in other rural areas one because i talked a lot about the pike county fair and oh yeah tell tell they, tell some tell, <laughs> please share please share that stat i i was reading your paper the other day please share that stat oh yeah um let me see i have a paper pulled up right now i think before the fair pike county had about 65 covid cases and one covid death but after the fair, I think it was within two days, five people already tested positive, and who knows how many people went untested. And like I said, after two days, there's still more that could have got tested right after and would have tested positive. But it was interesting seeing how thousands of people went to the fair. And bringing that up, this is why I feel like it went um, to other rural areas as well, this sentiment, because you saw people coming from Illinois to Pike mm -hmm. County Fair that had been coming from areas where things did close. And so I felt like the sentiment was nationwide. If you have people traveling this far to an event, just because their areas had closed things off, they were like, well, <laughs> forget that. I'm still going to go have my fun. I'll just do it wherever I can do it. So I'm going to go to Pike County because it's close enough to this fair. So I feel like, if, I don't know, I, I can infer that this would have been observed in other rural areas as well. Does it, the overall, what was the total? I don't even know what the total death count was U.S. wide or worldwide or whatever it was on with COVID deaths with that. I mean, in comparison to, I, I, I guess I could Google that, but um, compared to what we've seen in the past, you know, I've, and we've talked about this before and, and I think if I remember correctly, I read this, maybe it wasn't in your paper, I read somewhere else, but we, you know, when we've had swine flu and we've had the Ebola and we've had all of these different, you know, and, and recently here they tried the whole monkey pox thing and all that other jazz. I mean, do you think after your interviews, do you think that that is, was, was that an attempt by, did locals see that as an attempt by the government to try to, to maintain control or were they going to be, I mean, what, what did they see? What did they see as, as the intent of what the government was trying to do? With all the mandates. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that the people, I believe that people thought that the government was just trying to exert, I don't know, any kind of control, um, which, is the definition of a mandate. So it's very fair to have that uh, sentiment about it, but it's very difficult because like I said earlier, there's a lot of individual biases that creeped into it. And so I felt some local authority might have even felt threatened by federal authority coming in and almost felt like, okay, this is a way of them, you know, undermining what I would do in this situation. Why are they enforcing all these mandates? Let me, you know, tell the people it's all good. Don't follow this. But um, community members, it's very hard to tell what they were thinking in terms of the federal government at that point. I just think the federal government was never really, it was real because of the media, but it wasn't 
it wasn't real in terms of like a physical sense. Like it wasn't going to affect them right in their daily lives and their face like that to a degree that this did. So I don't know. I just feel like it was kind of infringing on what they believe was their rights that they had already been living throughout their whole lives in a way that they had never experienced before. Well, and so. I, I think that that, and the whole, when you look back on, on, on how people nationwide reacted about this and I'm, Sean Phillips and I had had this conversation because he and I we will share clips and stuff from the Pat McAfee show, but uh, and this has been coming up here lately again because of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Sean, when you were when I mean, how, what was the whole thing within with what was it with Aaron Rodgers? What was how was he treating? What was his treatment for COVID? Sean Phillips. Um, so he did. It was ayahuasca, wasn't it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, he had done. Um, so originally he had had a consultant, I believe, like he had went and visited with several doctors and was advised because of a pre-existing condition he had against getting the vaccine. That's right. That's right. So he had done. It was basically, you know, what some people would just call some witch medicine. But essentially it was basically some recommendations from his doctors um again people that have phds like legit doctors not just you know yeah someone off the reservation this was this was like a legit you know doctors that said hey here are some things that people are doing um to help strengthen themselves to um, not prevent covid but to be prepared for in the event that you were to get covid so he did that um ended up getting covid and then went ahead and did the monoclonal antibodies um, and was COVID free within, you know, two or three days yeah. and didn't show any signs of, you know, long COVID, things like that. So basically did what everyone said was, you know, fake, fake medicine, fake news, mm-hmm. kind of nonsense from the, you know, from the well, that was... left side of the medical field. And, and it ended up, you know, he was just fine and won an MVP. Well, yeah. and Sean Yates, you might... I mean, I I had taken the monoclonal antibodies as well. Why wasn't that something that, I mean, do you know any reason as to why that wasn't pushed more? Or I mean, I guess it wasn't FDA approved or whatever. I mean, have you, do you guys, any of you guys, did anybody know of anybody who, other than myself, I mean, who took those or who used those or what, or was there something against that that was just wasn't that popular? Um, I actually have no idea why it wasn't pushed more. Um, I'm not sure if there was any reasons behind, like, maybe it's not as effective as people think. Um, in terms of rural areas, I feel like it wasn't pushed more just because of what people have available. I mean, well, local healthcare centers have available. That was, Um, that was kind of what I was wondering. I mean... So when I went into, when I went, when I was, when I was, so I can't, I was diagnosed on, well, I started feeling bad on Sunday, got tested on Monday and got positive. And they're like, okay, when did you first start feeling your symptoms? And I said, well, it was yesterday. And they said, okay, we want you to go to the Louisiana hospital, Pike County Memorial and get the monoclonal antibodies, which by the way, Totally 100% free. I didn't have to pay a dime for. My insurance wasn't charged anything. And all I had to do was sign off on a waiver. 
and I was right as rain within eight hours. And that was what totally blew me away, you know. But uh, one other thing I wanted to push at, and I want to get back to Travis. Travis, how much was, so you said you at the beginning you were in, with you were still in the military. How much of a, was it just the military guys following orders, or were, did you notice your, your superiors? I mean, were they kind of just groaning as they did this or as they pushed this, or was this something that they were really serious about? Uh, for the most part, it was kind of like, kind of groaning, like, uh, this don't really agree with this, but hey, it's the army. We got to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that sentiment towards the end kind of started to change a little bit, and some guys kind of like bought into it more like, hey, you know, we got to take care of our soldiers. Like, cause it, was, it was getting to the point where, like, by the time I was leaving, like, yeah, our barracks were just getting, everyone was getting COVID in the barracks. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell like, four or 500 people to stay in one single building and don't leave for two weeks. If someone gets sick or something like it's just a recipe for disaster. No one's going to stay in a room. They're all sitting there drinking and partying and hanging out together. It, it was, it was doomed from the beginning. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely started to get that way. I will say like, I got out before like the vaccine started to become like a, a mandate for uh, military members. Cause that was, that was something that was coming right before I got out. And I know some guys, by then they were already kind of, I don't, when did the vaccine first come out? Do we remember? Mm, was it? Do you remember what month it was? Uh, uh, I will say there was definitely a lot of mixed feelings about I, it. I wanted right to, as I was getting I wanted, out. I want to say it was that, was it that it was, was it mid, mid to late summer or no, 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 no. It was like, it was pr- relatively early. Wasn't I don't it? have my wallet on me. I, I still have my prototype I, was like, I still have my COVID card somewhere. I, I kept that. I want to say it was in, it started rolling out in December of 2020. Yeah. And then so I, it was, it was late. So yeah. Cause I think I, so I mean, there was rumors of like, it was going to come out and there was already kind of mixed feelings about because COVID the whole, there was already conspiracy theories rolling out about it at the time. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I got out when I did. Was that something? I mean, I still ended up getting vaccinated, but Sean, was that something else that you you discovered through your research? I mean, did a lot of people was that conspiracy factor conspiracy theory factor there for the whole vaccine thing? Was that something that was kind of within the rural area? Was that something that was more prevalent in, in the in the rural area? Um, yeah, I wish I would have extended my paper a little bit longer because I I kind of just covered that summer of twenty twenty, mm-hmm. but. I know from my own personal experiences being in the area when the vaccine was rolling out that, yeah, it was kind of similar reasonings as to why they didn't want to wear masks or didn't want to social distance. The same reasons were being applied to why they didn't want to get vaccinated. Also, another big reason is just the speed with which the vaccine came out. So it was very similar reasons there. Well, and I think, and I think some people really, I had a unique opportunity and I'll, I'll share this. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys or not, but it was during, during, so when we were shut down from school and I got to the point where I was just bored off my can too. And I, so I started offering an Uber and Lyft at the time were very, the messages we were getting from Uber and Lyft were, were do it at your own risk kind of thing. And, and so I, so I basically just started to freelance and I put, I would put, I would put flyers up at the hospital in our local hotel there in Pittsfield and 
we had we actually had three hotels there in Pittsfield. I had pliers up, and I was, I was, I was giving quite a few rides, and and then I got on to uh, uh, Illini Health, which is there in Pittsfield, the hospital in Pittsfield, in Pike County Sheriff's. Whenever somebody like had an accident or somebody was needing to ride home, I would get I would get phone calls. So I had actually gotten this one phone call from Pike County Sheriff's. It was a woman who was who had worked for um, oh who was the first one to come out with a vaccine that was um, oh, Pfizer. Pfizer, yeah. So she worked for she was what they called an auditor for Pfizer. And she was, she was a scientist and part of these auditors job was after all the research had been done and they were, they were basically looking over the researchers shoulders and all, and you know, the, their job was basically to double check the findings and to do all of this other stuff. And, and then she, and then what they, the way a drug usually works is she, and I learned a lot from her. She said, you know, we, we do our, we do all of our trials. We do our research, and then you know I audit that, and then and then we send it to the FDA. So to speed the whole thing up, and Sean Yates was mentioning about how how fast they rolled this out. She had said that so the FDA basically came in house with Pfizer, and they so Pfizer or Pfizer researchers, the auditors, and then the FDA were working side by side by side to speed the process up and her uh, part of the reason she said that it, you know, it, it came out quickly, but one of the reasons why it couldn't come out fast enough was because they couldn't get research groups. I think it was, it was pregnant women and uh, people over the age of 65. They couldn't get, they couldn't, and they couldn't get children either to see how it would react. Cause they couldn't, nobody was wanting to sign off on saying, okay, yeah, try me on this vaccine to see what happens. And it was, it was those three groups that they couldn't get. But it, I, you know, looking back on all that, I thought it was really strange. But now the government, and kind of bring this back full circle before we end up for the night, to bring this back full circle, I think that it's, I mean, well, I'll just ask it to you guys, and I'll and I'll get your all three of your all's opinions. How do you think the American people would respond if something similar like that happened again? What do you think the response of the people would be on on how they would? how they would respond. Sean, well, Sean Yates, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, I think the response is going to be very heavily dictated by what comes out of this Dr. Fauci situation with these congressional hearings. And also if we ever find out truly what was the origin of COVID, um, if it was a lab leak, good luck to getting people to ever trust in the federal government or mandates or any kind of research again, um, or any international deals. I'm going to say that right now because it's going to be very tough to get people to trust in these things. Um, whereas if it was something that came from the wild, I feel like it's going to be kind of a similar reaction, but I don't know. I, it's going to be a little bit more positive, I think. I feel like that's why it truly matters what the origin of COVID was, is because, one, we're going to see either a very negative reaction to people responding to the federal government mandates, or one where they're going to follow, I guess you can call it the science, for lack of a better term, they're going to follow the science as to what we should do to kind of prevent transmission. Mm-hmm. So, Travis, what do you think? 
Sorry, I couldn't find a mic button. Um, I agree with a lot of what my, uh, Sean just said. You know, with um, yeah, I think people are going to be very reluctant, especially you know, now the government's kind of backtracking and saying, okay, it was a lab leak. Sorry, guys, whatever. I, I, yeah, I think it would have to be something very severe. Like it would have to be something where people are literally like falling in the streets, dying, for someone to take that seriously again. Because I think there's just such a black eye to the government. Huge, yeah, just big loss of trust there. And I don't want to go off topic here, but go ahead. Sean mentioned something about like um, we got well, it's still on topic, but like if, if it was something that came from the wild, right? Have you guys been seeing those articles about the zombie deer disease? No. Please share. Uh, I don't know a lot about it, but I, every time I open my computer, MSN, for whatever reason, that's an article that pops up. That's a new one every day. I have yet to click on one, so I don't know why my news feed keeps popping up with it. But supposedly there's this disease that's spreading through a deer right now, and they're calling it like a zombie disease. And it may, basically, the symptoms I read, it makes a deer like delirious, and like they start acting belligerent, and like... It's killing them. Zombie deer and disease. I see it. They're saying it could transfer to one of the, one of the headlines said it could transfer to humans <laughs> eventually, which wh- whether that happens or not, I don't know. But but you see articles like that, and it's like oh, some conspiracy theorists say, oh, are they planning something, or is it you know? Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, it would have to be, uh, the, yeah, something to look into. I don't know much about it, but. I think it would have to be something very, very serious for people to actually be like, okay, this is real. We should do what we're told because, yeah, most people would say fuck the government after that. (laughs) Sean Phillips, what do you think? No, I'm with you. Um, And and Travis, uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen a couple things about that as well. And I think it's like Wisconsin and Illinois is where they're – seeing that being an issue um oh that's probably but, why i'm getting the, the yeah. for tracking me but but no um i'm with you guys where a lot of it's going to come down to i hope this is one of those things that's not quote unquote swept under the rug um i feel like you know i you know aside from me stumbling upon an msn article um it's not real at least in my life and i feel like most of the shit that i see is political um where fauci you know at a congressional hearing isn't in in the mainstream right now and i don't know if it's timed that way for a reason um convenient because i feel like what we found out is that he was not the individual for the job um he handled it very poorly um i think his staff handled it very poorly i I think that I will, you know, credit where credit's due. It was a very odd transitional time for it to happen with Trump leaving office, Biden taking office um, for a lot of, you know, the stuff that kind of happened. Although it was hilarious where um, in a recent interview, Joe Biden took credit for the vaccine, um, which is hilarious because, you know, the vaccine (laughs) happened while Trump was still president. so uh, I'm, I'm with I, I hope this is not one of those things where it is swept under the rug that it was a man made engineered in a lab in Wuhan, um, you know, the virus, uh, because you, you look at how quick the government was to put mandates on and how wrong they were about so many things. 
Um, little things, for example, like, you know, all the people that were hooked up to ventilators and it was ventilators that was mm-hmm. killing a lot of people. Um, you know, when people were originally getting COVID causing them to get, you know, pneumonia, which is what was a big factor that mm-hmm. killed a lot of people mm-hmm. that had COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if any good can come from it, and it's a, it's a double-edged sword because it's part of the reason why property values in the countryside have gone, you know, have skyrocketed. skyrocketed yes. Um, but it is good where I feel like now, I, I feel like there's a resurgence for independent, um, a, a certain kind of independence that people have. I'm starting to see, and might, it might just be because it's some of the stuff that interests me, but I am seeing more and more people lean towards, um, you know, a holistic medicine and not just your typical like smoke this dope and it'll make you feel better, but you know, <laughs> you know, the, the kind of rub, rub a little salt on the wound kind of sense of, of healing again. Your essential and, oils. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, not, not quite the essential oil kind of thing, but I mean, like people, people are looking at it from a, Hey, you know, I feel like now after COVID and people are, in my opinion, I am seeing more things where people are more inclined to do things like preventative medicine, meaning like eating better, living a healthier lifestyle, being out more, doing things like that, enjoying the outdoors to prevent things like, you know, some of the long COVID um, results or they're, they're, I feel like people are, at least in my circle, um, and, and some of the things that I see is, you know, people are trying to be a little bit more self-sufficient as opposed as opposed to being so reliant on things that the government can provide mm-hmm. or that a supermarket mm-hmm. can provide. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, as someone that, you know, works for the federal government once a month and, and, and two weeks out of the summer and then on deployments, um, I take everything that is said with a grain of salt. Um, and uh, we're just going to kind of see how things go. And, you know, next week we might be discussing, you know, the Iowa caucus and looking forward to seeing who the next leader of our, our nation is going to be. But um, today was a great chat, Sean. It was a pleasure to have you. It always is. You're yes. always welcome to, yes, to yes. come back and, and, and chat it up. Um, we'll definitely kind of steal you. We're all a bunch of old bastards now. So it's good to kind of have someone that's <laughs> in the heart of the, the city living it up as a young man in college so um, we're still trying we'll, to get we'll definitely snag your we're your still trying to get him more to, often than not we're still trying to get him to marry off to a sugar mama yet but i'm i'm oh, i'm, I'm always God. disappointed no, see, he's in he's in downtown st louis well, i have I'm, a connection to the sugar daddies so <laughs> i uh, if, if you want to get paid if you want to get paid you gotta you gotta yeah. you know touch touch a couple tips but you'll go on more cruises than you could ever dream about so <laughs> Uh, go ahead and give him a shout out. Oh, go ahead and give him a shout out. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. What's the name of the place? What's the name of the place? Just John. Oh, just, just John. It's the, uh, it's the place to be. So I'm sure oh, I can uh, get you set up on a beer cart, making 300 bucks a night. So we'll, we'll, we'll make it easy for you. Oh, it's a trade off. Yeah. <laughs> well, like thanks for coming tonight, Sean. We appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Sean. But out uh, to our listeners again. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Uh, good talking with you boys, and I can't wait to do it again next week. We'll see y'all. Nice talking to y'all. Thank you for listening to the Voice of Reason podcast. Be sure to check out our other content on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok.